A reading from John 12, 37-38. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has this arm of the Lord been revealed? It's interesting, you know, that Jesus is doing these miracles right before people's eyes, and yet they still don't believe, right up to the very end. Um, people who even saw the resurrection, or witnessed him after the resurrection, still didn't believe. It's an amazing thing to consider. And um, there's a little clue from Paul, from 2 Corinthians 4, where he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Um, there's this, you know, this veil. Um, that's the illustration Paul uses. It's over some people's eyes. Who put that veil over their eyes? It says here, the God of this world. That's a, phrase, a biblical phrase that's referring really to the devil. Um, it's it's a good reminder, actually, to someone like me or you, Eric, who are, you know, we've made it our life goal to share the gospel with people. Some people are going to reject it. or In other words, some people are, can't see They literally can't see it because that veil is still pulled down. So it's a good reminder because it means we don't have to take it personally if somebody rejects the message of the gospel. It's, it's, they're not saying, I don't like you, Eric, or I don't like your church, Nathan, or whatever. The veil is still down. Um, and we can pray, Holy Spirit, will you please lift the veil? I'm just going to keep doing my part, which is to share the gospel over and over and over and over and over again. And Holy Spirit, will you lift the veil so that some people can behold Jesus? We talked about this the other day, but, um, you know, when you don't go to seminary, um, your seminary is actually not three years, but like 30 years. Mm. Um, and that's how long it takes. I mean, a good seminary can consolidate uh, the information needed to be able to preach Jesus Christ um, into a, a fairly compact period of time. Uh, but when you don't have that um, background, uh, then learning about Jesus is a much more uh, grounded thing in, in one sense, but also a longer term effort. And the reason I bring that up is it wasn't too long ago when I was asked to preach in a church down in Florida, um, mm -hmm. there were reasons for that. Um, the, I think uh, the preaching was on like Psalm 80. And I had no idea what I was meant to say. None. And I didn't get a lot of help either. Mm -hmm. And I don't even remember the nature of the struggle I had in order to sound halfway coherent and not actually preach to an empty room because everybody left halfway through. But it was sometime after that, and maybe quite recently, that I realized that preaching was really about one thing. And you said it the other day, Nathan, it's about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. If you're preaching anything other than Jesus Christ, you're not preaching. You might be lecturing, you might be teaching in a funny kind of way, but you're not preaching. It's, it's, it's preaching to a congregation of believers and um, 
fence sitters and all kinds of people in your congregation. And there may be only one person there that needs to hear the message, but that's who you're preaching to. The message mm-hmm. is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, I bring that up because I wanted to bring it up the other day that even at my stage in life, because I never was trained, I never understood that because I went to churches, they preach anything but Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is normal, I thought. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's very abnormal and very strange because church is about Jesus Christ and preaching him, preaching the gospels and making it known to the congregation, the people in the pews. And to me, I'm so grateful that I finally figured that out 